The Holy Gospel from Luke chapter 7. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a little biographical introduction to John the Baptist there by being reminded of a little bit of what he did and what he looked like. But we also want to stop for a moment and just ponder a little bit more clearly, who is John the Baptist? Jesus refers to him in different ways, but he says here that he is someone who is more than a prophet. And you might ask, well, how is it possible to be more than a prophet? I mean, a prophet is a mouthpiece for God. He simply says what God gives him to say. God's word is certain and true and everlasting and all-powerful. How does, how does a man get to be more than that? Well, I have several answers for you. The shortest one first. John is more than a prophet because he is part of the prophetic witness of Scripture. The text tells us, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. John is not only a voice for God, John himself is part of the prophetic witness prophesied in the Bible. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, that we heard last week. And then in the weeks ahead, we will hear from Malachi chapter 4. This makes John unique in that he is not only a prophet who speaks God's word, but God's word speaks of him before he comes. And it is also interesting to note that John the Baptist picks up where God's word was silent. Malachi chapter 3 and 4 that have prophecies of the coming one, the one like Elijah, is the last word 
from God before 400 years of silence from God. So that when God again begins to speak prophetically, it is through the mouth of Elijah. John is also great because of his tight connection with Jesus. He is a blood relative to Jesus, of course, but more importantly, both of their moms experience miraculous pregnancies. Elizabeth in her old age as a married woman, Mary as a young virgin before marriage. John from the womb recognizes Mary's voice. John also announces Christ's advent. John baptizes Jesus. John also precedes Jesus in a martyr's death. So closely connected are John and Jesus that King Herod gets the two of them confused. And both of these points are true, that John is the subject of biblical prophecy and that as the last prophet of the Old Testament, he is more tightly connected to Jesus than anyone else. Both of those points are true. But John is more than a prophet in another way also. Perhaps that hits closer to home. What does it mean for John to be more than a prophet? What does it mean for you to know that John is more than a prophet when maybe life is not going like you expect it to go? When the economy is shaky and you wonder where the country is heading or what our government leadership is up to? When the news fixates on COVID night after night? When you've lost your job when the physical infrastructure of your body is breaking down, when family is stressed out beyond the breaking point, or when husbands and wives simply give up on loving one another, when you have to live with broken dreams, when all this is happening, how does it help you to know that John is more than a prophet? Here's how. John shows us how to be faithful. He reminds us that we live by faith and not by sight. Things don't always turn out the way they're supposed to. The innocent suffer. Families and health fall apart. The church gets torn asunder by heresies and by sin from within. Christians turn on one another and tear at the bonds that hold us together. The abundant life that God promises doesn't always seem to be front and center when all of this stuff is going on. John reminds us, therefore, that there is a paradox to the Christian life. Yes, in Christ our cup of blessing overflows and we get a chance to rejoice, and that is true. But life still gets all screwed up, doesn't it? Luke 7 begins with two examples of God's inbreaking kingdom. The Gentile Roman centurion who does a better job of illustrating what it means to be faithful than the Jews and the raising of the widow's son in the village of Nain. John rightly thinks that the stage is set for the Messiah to come. I mean, the dead are being raised. And Gentiles are coming to faith. This must be 
the time of the Messiah. But there's one problem from John's perspective. He's in prison for preaching repentance. Preaching repentance to Herod. You remember that he had called Herod to repent for marrying his brother's wife. There's no abundant life for him. He's rotting in jail right now. In fact, from imprisonment, it will only get worse. You know that soon he will be beheaded because Herod makes an outlandish promise to a dancing girl. Life for the faithful does not always turn out the way we expect or we think it should. What we see with our eyes doesn't always match what we know by faith to be God's promise. John believes the promises of God, but right now his present experiences aren't matching what he knows to be true. And thus, doubt begins to creep in. He's been hearing all of this that Jesus is doing from prison, so he calls two of his disciples and says, go to Jesus and ask him, are you the coming one? Are you the one who was promised from long ago? And that coming one phrase is just loaded with Old Testament uh, background. We've got Psalm 118 in which we pray on Palm Sunday as well. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Part of our communion liturgy because Christ is coming, making his advent among us in the Lord's Supper. And then there's Habakkuk chapter 2. And then there's the last chapters of Malachi talking about the coming one. So John is prepped. He's thinking. All of these things happening seem to indicate that the Christ is here. But I'm rotting in jail. Are you the coming one, Jesus? So he sends his disciples to make sure that he's got everything straight. And John is more than a prophet for, for us because we can identify with him, can't we? He not only proclaims the word of God, he struggles with doubt. Because we doubt also, we understand. When his life falls apart, he wonders if perhaps he got the wrong man. From the text, it's easy to see that John is still faithful to God. He still is looking forward to the promised coming one, but he wonders if maybe he just got the timing off. Maybe Jesus isn't actually the promised Messiah. He doubts because there's a disconnect between reality, the reality of God's inbreaking kingdom, which he hears reports about, and his own present circumstances. If Jesus is really the Messiah, should I still be sitting here in jail, suffering as an innocent man? Something is wrong with this picture. If Jesus is really the Messiah, why do things fall apart in my life? Shouldn't I be experiencing the victorious Christian life, going from success and glory to glory and success? We learn from John that the Christian life is the way of the cross, the way of suffering. And it is a lonely road at times to be faithful. 
Now, I've highlighted John's doubt, but I need to be clear. Doubt is not a virtue. Doubt is a result of sin. Because of doubt and because of sin, Satan's original question continues to echo in our minds. That question that he posed to Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Are you sure? Are you sure that God really said that? Satan planted doubt in our minds back in the garden. And that uncertainty with God's word has continued continued to plague us ever since. Doubt is not a Christian virtue, even when it comes from John's prison cell. But John's doubt does identify him as one of us. He too doubted. Having doubt is part of the human experience, especially for the Christian, because we know what God has promised, and those promises cause us to rejoice in the Lord. But those promises don't always match up with what we experience in our daily life. You and I as Lutherans have the gospel in all of its most beautiful purity. We have the sacraments as the glorious means of God's grace. <laughs> Shouldn't that produce a congregation, a district, and a synod of overwhelming joy and confidence and abundance? Shouldn't it allow us to go from success to success and one joyful experience to another? I mean, that would be the reality of God's promises for sure. But within our congregation, within our district, within our synod, there is the ongoing struggle with doubt and other sin. It's everywhere. John's ministry and death are proof that the Christian life is a paradox. Christians do not always make out like El Bandito. We don't always get all the presents on Christmas morning. John's work leads us in the path of salvation, in the path of repentance. But that got John's head removed from his shoulders. Go figure. Be faithful and lose your head. It doesn't seem to make sense. John is more than a prophet for us because he is the subject of prophecy as well as a prophet. John is more than a prophet for us because he's more tightly connected to Jesus than to anyone else. John is more than a prophet for us because he knows how to show us what it's like to fear, love, and trust in Jesus, even when doubts surround us and assail us. Christianity is not for the weak of heart. Christianity is not for the sissy. Following Christ is not about finding some secret knowledge that will make us happy, wealthy, and wise. We confess Christ because He is the way, the truth, and the life. We follow Him because there's no other choice. With St. Peter, we say, to whom shall we go, Lord? Yeah, you say tough things. Tough things happen in life, but where am I going to go? You're the truth, the way, and the life. 
to the Christian struggling with family issues, with personal issues, with work problems, with ongoing sin, with broken dreams, living with the huge disconnect between the promises and the reality on the ground. The message of Christ is profoundly good news. It is good news that causes us to rejoice. Your troubles are real. Nobody is whitewashing the troubles, but they are not the end of the story. Jesus gives real healing to the broken, and He gives real forgiveness to the penitent. So to answer John's initial question, Jesus, are you the coming one? He most certainly is. But He doesn't answer in a way that you and I expect. <laughs> Maybe the kids, I could have asked them this earlier. But um, when mom and dad ask you, have you cleaned your room? Have you done your homework? The normal American response is to say yes or no. But I suppose you could say, if you were that child, a mom asks you, have you cleaned your room? You could say, come and see. And you can be led to the answer with your own eyes and ears. This is how Jesus answers. He doesn't respond, yes, I am the coming one. He says, what, is this, what do the Scriptures say about the coming one? Well, the blind will receive their sight, the dead will be raised, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear. And that's exactly what he does. He hears the questions from John's disciples, and the text tells us over the next hour he does all of these miracles. And he says, tell John what you have seen and heard. Is Jesus the coming one? You betcha. And because he is the coming one, you are forgiven, and you are loved as well. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen. Amen.